page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts. I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, in the words of Rob Thomas, man, it's a hot one. It's a fucking hot day outside. You get that pop culture reference? I can never tell. I don't. I was thinking, (laughs) is Rob Thomas someone I meant to know? Well, I thought you might have gotten confused with the uh, creator of Veronica Mars, who is also called Rob Thomas. But no, is that Santana song? Uh, Smooth, you know that song? Yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. You know... I didn't get the immediate twig of recognition, but I'm prepared to believe that you understand what I'm talking well, about. Well, sometimes so. lyrics lyrics are quite hard to hear when you say them in such a different way. <laughs> it's true, yeah, as well. Also, my parents, like, um, they would always, whenever I tried to sing them a song to sort of uh, recount, like, what the song was, they would always go, oh, if it sounds anything like that, it's rubbish. And, like, they, <laughs> they basically said that to me my entire childhood just to dissuade me from ever singing. And so now... A classic parent bit. Well, well that's it. So now I will never even try and sing because they just oh they just like completely they spooked me out the of world of a real talent <laughs> no they didn't they didn't <laughs> i remember i um uh yeah i had i had like an ex-girlfriend who once told me that she liked my singing i thought uh do you want it's just like you're too smitten because that's not an objective opinion because everyone else has ever heard me sing is a bit like you know when homer simpson's voice breaks when he's in that choir in um, early <laughs> simpsons very much that vibe really just sort of gargles and vague noises you're too smitten <laughs> what, what a problem to have yeah i think so that's when you know that someone's lost all that objectivity when you're praising my singing and it's just not very attractive quality in a person <laughs> no not really no so uh not sure how we got here oh yeah i do because it's fucking 30 degrees outside or whatever and i'm baking alive here in my underpants recording this uh this podcast so how you doing, man? How's your uh, how's your not E three week been? I've got a lot of work on in my um, day job in my side hustle. Is that the I don't know what's what's better? Is that the side hustle to this? This is the side hustle. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if the listeners want to believe that they're getting like one hundred percent of my sort of attention. Oh, well, I think they all know that they're getting at most seventy percent. Do you know what I mean? Okay, like it's, sweet. Uh, you okay. know, same for same for me. You know, so. It's, it's um, but yeah, yeah, work is busy. There's some big, um, big games to be played for review. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will leave it at that. Yeah, who knows what you could be talking about there? Week. A game that comes out in the next few weeks that is huge and may or may not be associated with PlayStation. No idea. No idea. It's frankly <laughs> confusing. So. Uh, um yes okay cool so yeah it's um it's been an interesting week i guess it's been the same thing that we've had throughout the pandemic a bunch of live streams in a row that has not changed there is uh, an informal well no that's not true it's a, it's a formal in-person element that jeff Keeley organizes that has happened last year and this year it seems to have happened in a more elaborate form e3 itself of course did not come back there was an attempt to do that that did not pan out which is a shame. I would like to have seen yeah. what new E3 would look like, but um, yeah, I, I, I obviously didn't go to Jeff Keighley's thing, but uh, I worked with some people who did, and I looked it up on Google Maps, and it is so far from not distance-wise, but sort of what you're expecting and like where it is. It's so not the convention centre. Honestly, I looked it up on Google Maps. They I typed in the exact address, and it took me to like quite a scary looking alley <laughs> on street view and i was like well i'm not showing this to the person people who are going out because they'll freak <laughs> they'll think i'm sending them somewhere dangerous well i've definitely been to i remember like i went to a ubisoft event once in the old e3 times that because they used to do like these pre 3 3 events we got to play all their games before the actual show floor opened up right and it was like it was in a 
a quite a nice venue, but in a in what I would describe as quite a shooty neighbourhood in like vibe. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not sure that's an appropriate term to use, but fuck it. If I had to like if I had to stay in a neighbourhood where I could hear gunshots, I get to call it shooty. God damn it. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, that's uh, that was my take. It it feels a lot like the whatever was the press day that used to happen before E3. Right. You know, there's that secret thing that the American press would sometimes go to, which meant they all had their previews when E3 opened. And oh, were like, what? yeah, Judges Week. Why? Yeah, Judges Week. It feels like someone's just taken Judges Week and turned that into Summer Games Fest behind closed door. Play- they call it Play Days. Right, right. Because, uh, um, yeah, like the lack of, yeah, like public framing and... You know, I've seen pictures from inside the venue, and it's you know it's smart enough, but it's not like it's not even pretending to be, you know, any three replacement. The good thing is though that like unlike Judges Week, people from all around the world do actually get to go and see the game. So yeah. Judges Week, the very strange thing about it, and we might have talked about this before on the three episode we did on Patreon, was that it it gave it gave US journos the chance to see everything before the other world's journos, and it was so obviously a bit of like. <laughs> a bit of superiority going on um that was not oh, really it was, it was not it was kind of like treated like a meritocracy even though it wasn't you know what i mean there was a little bit of that to it so well it's yeah. it's just the, the annoying thing of like you know I, I really hate it when journos have seen stuff and then they sit on it and then they still do like the rumor is this game's gonna be there and it's like you fucking played it at judges week you big weirdos what a weird stance to take i hate i, I hate that bullshit yeah. Um, and there was so much of that, you know, going to the conference, knowing in, you've got in your back pocket, you've not only, you know, know what's going to be there, you fucking played them. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just, it is unfair. And that isn't me going, eh, I'm jealous from a perspective of like everyone turns up, you know, and wants a fair shot at covering these things. But lo and behold, you know, nothing would, would, um, sort of puncture my excitement than sitting down and have someone say to me like, oh yeah, I already played this. You know, it happened at the Nintendo one. People were like, "Oh yeah, I've already played the Wii U before they've even announced it." <laughs> I was like, "Oh great, well, good, good for you, I guess." Here I am, old muggins from a fucking official Nintendo magazine. Yeah, yeah. It's um, there was there was also weird stuff like the there was one game they didn't do. I won't say what the game was, just in case there's any kind of like old legal gubbins that that was not playable for a long time after a very splashy debut. Like they waited months to let people play it, but I know for a fact that journos played it before that e3 had even happened so it could be eligible for awards at e3 because that was the whole thing with judges week is they give out the awards which are then like right considered quite important as sort of marketing materials to go into it and like i'm glad it's gone because it should be a level playing field it just should be and it was never really fair and it never really made sense and when uk journos got to go i think they did feel a bit sort of smug about it because someone from the us couldn't go or whatever but right now it's gone away <laughs> that's the that's a part of e3 i don't miss to be honest that was uh yeah um but hey ho uh so yeah quite a lot of long ramble there matthew but well, uh, a, a nice little burst of bitterness to stop <laughs> <laughs> no no it's you know it, but it was it was a thing like i always there was always a sense of like do journos from this country think that they're better than me because of x y and z and when you heard about judges week it was like well i i, I guess that someone does you know what i mean because yeah yeah um i don't you believe know, on the whole I, I, I was editing official xbox magazine which suddenly judges week meant a bit more because when you're in the nintendo mags you're like nintendo aren't going to judges week they have nothing to do with that nintendo understand how e3 is meant to work 
having a like this just some american freelancer reach out going like well i'm gonna see this 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 at judges week and i was like oh no so i got in contact with all those people going hey it'd be good if we could come to this because it's a bit weird that we'd have to like buy all of this stuff off this very expensive freelancer and they're having none of it it was just like no you know it's like the same 20 people we invite every year and like you either manage to kind of get access to one of them or forget it yeah very odd but it's dead now so why i don't know why i'm complaining well, no, it's good to hold a grudge against the people who wronged you in case you could ever take it out on them. That's like what grudges are for. I isn't never it, will be able to, though. <laughs> this is the best I'm going to do. It's just moaning about them on this podcast. <laughs> Fair and making for a stodgy intro. Hey, well, you know, an, an audience of 6,000 will very much enjoy your I just, That's so, what they uh, yeah. say about revenge, isn't it? You've got to dig two graves. <laughs> one, one for the person you're after and one for the podcast that you're going to spoil <laughs> by talking about it too much. <laughs> yeah, very profound. Uh, yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> I think that sums up the overheated um, vibe oh that's going God, on. I'm, this so, I'm, I'm sweating so bad, and I ate a really grungy burger during grungy. the. Um, well, not grungy, just. It, grungy it just makes me, me think f- of like Nirvana. Do you know what I mean? Like that's it just. Made what... me, <laughs> it made me feel all kind of like ugh, sort of greasy. I ate one during the Ubisoft thing because me and Catherine don't have time to eat. <laughs> yeah, um, are you squashed into your little pod as well to record this one? Yeah, so I'm really sweating away. Oh, fuck. We've got to get you a sound studio at some point, man. That's like got to be a stretch goal, is get Matt Maybe I'll use the pod. Patreon money to buy a shed out back. <laughs> well, you're, you're kind of like, you know, we're, we're both nearing that age, aren't we, of shed age, really, where it's like there's got to be a room to conceal your hobbies because they're too shameful to be in a house. Do you know what I mean? There's a bit of a <laughs> bit of that that goes on when you reach middle age. Not that we're middle-aged. We're definitely not middle-aged, Matthew. Okay, right then, this podcast. So our 10 most anticipated games. Very straightforward. We watched a bunch of trailers. We franked the ones we like. That's it. That's all the podcast is, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we need a bit of lightness. You know, we just talked about um, Edge Tens with Christian. A very well-received episode, Matthew, which uh, I was very proud of the outcome for that one. Sometimes I think that my free-willing interview style comes across as informal and fun. And I, really, I'm just a Wally who doesn't know what he's doing. But I feel like it came yeah. away in that one. So uh, <laughs> that was good. So how are you feeling after the horde mode of live streams this week, Matthew? Are you excited about the future of games? Not excited or somewhere in the middle? Somewhere in the middle. I saw a couple of good things in most of the streams, but yeah, I just didn't feel like there was like any curation, so I just feel a bit overwhelmed. I just feel like I was shown 500 things in the course of four days, which I basically was, and then you're expected to kind of make some sort of sense of that. And also they're like trailers, and some people are very good at trailers, some people are bad at trailers, some people show you what the game is, some people try and sort of capture a sort of vibe um so actually kind of working out like what's going to be good and what's there i think most of the stuff i actually reacted positively to was just stuff that kind of fattened out the details on things i was already looking forward to <laughs> yeah i think that's fair enough there was you know actually my i think like my favorite live stream except the most obvious one was the day of the devs one which i actually had never sat and watched that i just but this year i thought i would because Someone mentioned there were a couple of cool games that were there, and I did watch it, and I didn't realise how curated that was. It's basically about 10 games, isn't it? And they just pick things. They're super selective about what they pick. Um, yeah. a, a couple did seem to be from the same publisher, which made me think, oh, okay, maybe they've got some ties there. But it was, um, <laughs> I was quite impressed by it. It was, you yeah, know... Yeah, the bungs, more like. 
<laughs> that's the sequel to the double fine documentary um yeah, yeah so it was, it was really nice to you know to just see these um these devs get passionate about the things they're introducing there were like at least two or three games there i thought looked cool um mm. one of which has made my list one of which has made my honorable mentions um because it was too shameful to put in the list we'll talk about that um mm. <laughs> so yeah i i but i, I don't know what you mean like there's a lot that happens there um some of them i just got summaries for this year it's funny because i i consider myself obviously very engaged in where modern games are at but even i just couldn't quite make time for all the live streams this week and end up reading some summaries of them like i didn't watch wholesome direct this year i, I read a summary of it for example um even though i do um i do value the work the work that they do on that stream but it was just like oh yeah it's a little nice model train game and a few games that have frogs in them and that's fine that's good and uh <laughs> everyone had a good time so that's good so yeah i'm in the middle i'm in the middle like you i think i i actually i'm slightly more optimistic than i thought i would be coming out of it though because i i am i am just like I've got this thing where anything that reminds me of the pandemic, I just can't really do anymore. I can't engage with and I can't enjoy. It's it's like mm. a whole thing. I've, I went to the pub with two sets of people this past week and I asked them, what did you do during the pandemic both times? Because I think that's just like something I'm fascinated by is what were your hobbies and etc what was your what was your living like and it was uh yeah i don't know that kind of um that kind of interests me a little bit i suppose but it just means that when i'm doing things that feel like i'm still in the pandemic it just makes me feel like i'm still living it somehow and uh, you do you do get that when you're watching nine live streams in a row um but that said you know i do appreciate the hard work that went into all of them and so a bunch of stuff i like so i've got i've got a good list here matthew so Uh, I, feel, I feel like we've covered the E3 thing. We're both missing it a little bit, I guess, right? Like the the sort of... Um, I didn't like it when it became a sort of um, a show floor thing that the public could go to. But the proposed repop version was going to have a few days where the, the public couldn't go. And then some days it would just be industry only and it would still have a show floor, which sounded like my sort of thing. So, and now that we're here and it's not happened, I do miss the idea of it like it would be nice to know the mm. convention center would be open covid's not over but let's face it i mean i don't know if you saw the crowd of that ubisoft live stream but they were sat so close together we have like basically forgotten about um social distancing so i feel like this was a year that a show floor actually could really have had a bit of an impact so i'm sad it's not there is that is that how you feel about it as well matthew yeah that ubisoft conference had like weird energy because they usually put on quite a big show mm. but it seemed to be sort of in a more private warehouse somewhere Mm-hmm. Like the stage seemed a lot more kind of cobbled together. I didn't really get where that where they were doing it from. Was it maybe they had a? Because I know that Ubisoft have had a capture event out in LA, sort of separate to Jeff Keighley's thing. Right, right. Um, so I'm assuming they just doubled that space up. Yeah, um, I assume so. But yeah. like, it was just stuff like when a guy was talking, there was a demo playing behind him, and like the colours were all a bit saturated because they were just filming off a TV screen. It just looked a bit wrong compared to the production values of like when they they usually take over that theater and it's you know it's a proper like stage managed extravaganza this this definitely felt like a sort of smaller version a lot more kind of intimate which makes kind of eve gilmo being right there in the front row like uh, i don't know probably a bit intense for the presenters like you're in this quite small room with like your mega boss in front of you i wouldn't <laughs> like it yeah, I was trying to work out how all the people were. I was like, are the employees? Is there any journalists there? Is there is Phil Spencer there? I just couldn't. I couldn't quite. Uh, it felt. It felt like a private Ubisoft thing. Yeah, absolutely, and that probably makes sense for the sort of response that they got. You don't want people journos sat there like sort of shrugging, yeah. shrugging at another game in the Crew franchise. When everyone you can see in the, the audience is wearing a dark suit, it just looks really funereal. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and you just can't get around that. It's like, who died? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, um, not Skull and Bones Matthew, which is, uh, <laughs> refuses to die. Um, that's, all, that's always coming back. <laughs> I actually did watch that bit because I... Um, I went out for a bucket of um, Kokoro rice and chicken, Matthew, and by the time I got back, it already started. So I zipped past the um, skull and bones bit. How was that looking? I may have turned my head from my screen for a bit. <laughs> there, there was on, I, I'm not into like sea uh, shanties. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> not your favourite genre. The second they got a band out to sing like a shanty, and one of them had like an incredibly deep voice. I, everything about it was just a bit off for me. Um, and then it was like, oh yeah, the naval combat from Assassin's Creed Black Flag, twenty billion years ago. <laughs> yeah, ten-year-old game. Yeah, uh, it's um, oh, it's so cursed. I know I've said it before, but I, I will always think back to um, having dinner with a uh, lunch with Rare. Uh, when I was on Xbox On and we had a bit of behind-the-scenes access and Ubisoft had just announced Skull and Bones and Rare were like, oh no, are we going to get like totally gazumped on Sea of Thieves by this huge Ubisoft machine? And it's just so funny how, like... I mean, it just—it's not that it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen in the most extraordinary way. <laughs> yeah, we are like getting to the point where it's going to see if these is going to have launched its Monkey Island expansion <laughs> while Skull and Bones still isn't out. So I that's know. yeah, it's like Skull and Bones is taking so long to come out. Before it comes out, I think Sea of Thieves will have a Skull and Bones DLC. <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah it's a weird one because again i did mention that i played it at a, at a previous e3 i don't remember which one 17 or 18 sam white was there he listened <laughs> to the podcast but yeah um and that's how long ago it was and it seemed fine it was like it was what they were selling it as it was you know multiplayer boat combat and it was fine it was i thought that's all it was going to be and somehow yeah we're still not there but uh hey ho games take a long time to make etc these days who knows so mm. matthew i think to get to the the big thing here we both basically agree the Xbox conference was the best, the highlight of the show, and the best of these kinds of showcases for quite a while. First of all, do you agree with that assessment? And Yeah, what, I think so. Okay, good. So what did that have that recent shows have maybe lacked? Surprises. Uh, like, I did, it, it's weird because fundamentally it was just a load of game trailers, like all the other things. But there was just some, I don't know, there was something like, particularly magic in in the kind of order that they showed things or how they grouped things like it, it you know other shows had a habit of putting things that were like a little too similar next to each other and then a little bit of fatigue came in i mean on a personal level the fact that it didn't have any like obvious big games as service pitches which is kind of what sunk the sony one for me like it felt like you know, here's five life-consuming things coming your way, and I was like, uh-oh, I've only got one life. You know, I can't really give it to five different things. <laughs> so I was already feeling stressed about that. Um, yeah, like, and I think just relief that all those studios they bought are, like, making stuff which looks pretty cool, and that they've got ambitions beyond those studios, and they're working with interesting people, and maybe that's just pumping money into a bit of marketing exclusive, but, um, you know... Well, whatever the nature of those relationships are, they've surrounded themselves with some cool people, and it feels like it, maybe it was like a load of people who we haven't heard from from a while who made good stuff in the last generation, and you're just like, oh, those people are still back, you know. Stoic is still were around, and this is what they've been up to, and that's nice, you know. You almost needed to give people four or five years to kind of get their houses in order for this generation. So it feels like that was maybe finally kicking into gear. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the the thing you just had to do was meet it halfway on most of those games being next year. But the thing yeah. you can fairly say is that a, a year that's got Starfield, Forza, Hi-Fi Rush is already out. That's pretty much what a, a, a platform holder exclusive lineup is meant to look like for a year, right? It's meant to be... Right at least three games where you're like yep this is cool this makes me excited about what i'm playing here and you know that i I think that between them starfield is you know undoubtedly going to be the biggest game of the year it's and it was a very comprehensive showing that yeah i i I agree it's sort of like it had there was a vision of the future there as well as a vision of what you'll be playing in six months and i think that combination was why it succeeded for sure so Mm. it's funny because i was at first when it started with fable and the compulsion games game which i've not written down something something south something like that that those i was a bit like ah, okay it feels like these games don't quite exist yet to me or like they are maybe too early on i thought these feel like because i i don't i mean fable didn't have a release date yeah right everything that had like that's coming 2024 they said it was so it's definitely a yeah. 2025 or later game so but Fa- but fable had a, like they showed a set piece in it i get the logic of saying oh fable still exists we know we told you about it three years ago but it's still happening and it's still from the same studio and you know obviously being made in the uk i hope it I hope it goes great love fable as a series but I, I guess i thought at first oh is this stuff a little bit too far out is it going to be a whole conference of this but it wasn't and it was yeah, it was it was very curated. It was very exciting. There were loads of stuff in there I I, I wanted to play. I thought it was really really good. Mm. Um, it couldn't live up a lot to the of single player stuff. Yeah, exactly. It felt like they were appealing to the core, quote unquote. It, I mean, obviously none of it could live up to the DoorDash ad and the um, uh, Silver Games Fest live stream. But <laughs> you know, um, so Matthew, was there anything at these shows you were particularly swished off by? Anything where you? you know maybe people get hyped by it and you weren't that into it or anything like that well more broadly i was going to say bad bad banter at these things very very hard to judge but there were some shows where i was like yikes i've written one of these sort of showcase type things before and it's a tough gig but i don't think anyone's quite cracked the formula i think you just need to get in and get the fuck out of the way of the games basically in terms of actual game trends i mean really just that kind of games of service thing that i mentioned that there seemed to be a lot of that in the sony showcase like slightly before summer games fest you know a lot of the things that were coming uh, it was sort of online shooters with lots of kind of character avatar characterful avatars which just isn't really where i'm at i'm sure some people a lot of people love that stuff when they definitely do um, but everyone trying to kind of have a slice of the, the sort of Fortnite pie. Um, that's, that's just not not for me. Other stuff, I don't know. Is there anything, any any tr- any trends or individual things that le- leapt out for you? I would say that it was quite a weirdly big show for strategy games. Actually, there's quite a lot of that right. kind of stuff. Whether it was like turn-based games or real-time strategy games. I mean, you know, sort of like Disclosure. I'm working on one as well, so mm. I kind of I kind of noticed it. But it's like a lot of RTS games and then, you know, prominence of, yeah, more turn-based kind of things and um, stuff that's sort of somewhere in the middle. So there's a little bit of that going on. I was sort of like, you know, obviously you get the sort of usual spate of Souls-like kind of games. Those sort of, sort of go on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose like, I don't know if there's anything I was switched off by, but I think it was like you where I just needed, I, I needed maybe slightly more curation than just sitting and watching nine hours of live streams. So I just, yeah, that was maybe just a little bit too dense with reveals. Um, um, yeah, I, I will say uh, not to get ahead of something that I imagine we'll probably talk about in the top tens. I will say it's not in mine. I didn't quite feel the overwhelming 
kind of like, oh my god, I've never seen anything like it that some people seem to have towards Starfield. Yeah, I would agree uh, with that. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know, is it in your top ten? No, it's not. Oh, it's not in my top ten either, so that's sort of... I, I didn't know, I didn't really know where you landed on it. I just... I thought it was a great demo, and I th- think Bethesda are really, really good at doing these demos. Like they've they've done them before, like the the famous ones for like Fallout Four, where they just they know to sort of jump around the world and show you show you like the very best cuts of it. Um, I just thought this one, for all the talk of like it's got the same Bethesda handcrafted feel and the kind of great writing and quests that you love, I thought so much of its big ideas were like these big sort of shapeless systemic ideas that i would associate more with like no man's sky i just couldn't get over that i couldn't shake that it just felt like a really expensive very shiny version of no man's sky and it was just in the first minute they shot a laser at a rock and some minerals came out of it and i thought i just do not want to do that in a game <laughs> i have no interest in doing that and like you can build any kind of ship and you're like i just don't i don't give a fuck about that you know, whenever I can build a space base or I have to build a space base in a game, there'll be a tutorial mission where you plant down one module to prove that you understand the concept of building a space base. And when I play Starfield, <laughs> I will put down that one module as part of that tutorial mission. And, fly and I will away. never touch I will never touch it again. Every time <laughs> I come back to that one room that I like have a crate that I put equipment in and maybe a save station or something. And I know that like 20 content creators on youtube will build absurdly amazing things using it but i was just ticking off things that i'm not going to engage with in that game and at the end of it i was like i just don't think there's much for me here i will not engage with this crafting system says man who just engaged with crafting system for first time in his life (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean if it was playful like it, it just seems dry as shit i don't know like they built a big transformers looking thing i was like well it's not for me well, you know, if it was stick a fan on the back of a fucking bird glider and just fly around a lovely mountain, then sure. Fly around <laughs> a lovely mountain. Um, yeah, I, I got to say, I think that there was nothing wrong with the showcase. I, I, I would say I'm not like, I'm neither down on it nor am I like raring to go. I think that what was really interesting about it is that as a presentation, it was like, it was presenting it as a known quantity in a lot of ways. It was saying, everything about that said to me, at its core, this is a Bethesda RPG, and you you know already if that's for you or not for you, and so mm. that is useful to go into that game knowing that because I felt this for Fallout Four when they were making a big deal about crafting and that that ultimately the all the additional stuff you can sort of leave to one side and then go go do the main quest or the the side quest or mm. what have you. Um, the thing I'm really curious about, and you know, this is always a question with games that do this kind of like. Um, you know, partly procedurally generated planet stuff, which I think is what they say they're doing, and then they kind of draw. They can draw from a bunch of handcrafted, um, sort of like bits and pieces to build worlds. Is kind of the impression I got of how they're doing it. Is is mm. that you know how good will that stuff be really? Because I remember there was a time where the radiant quest system in Skyrim seemed like the coolest thing ever, and then you know you do eventually real you get you get it, and you're like, yeah, you can play this game forever, but that it's not. You know, it's just like rinse and repeat experience and resources and stuff like that. So, the handcrafted content is actually what I'm in it for with Bethesda RPGs. I like I yeah. like doing the main quest. I like doing the character quests and stuff like that. So, 
those bits I'm the most excited about, but they they were only really part of the focus of the, de- the demo. The demo is very holistically about these are all the things that are in this massive game we've built. And so mm. I was very impressed by it. I also I respect it when they, they show a game in a way where they're like, this is what the game looks like. We're not hiding anything from you. This is it. Like You're looking at it. There are even times where the frame rate dropped because you can tell it's like trying to simulate a lot um this game Mm. you could see it creep below 30 fps to my eye it seemed like that when you're watching it but that was very frank and open it's not a cg teaser it's you know it's what the game is and so yeah i did think it was a good presentation and yeah there were it was it was really open and yeah it was it was it was cool but yeah i didn't come out of it thinking i guess it it, i guess it was it was designed to, to generate hype but it didn't generate hype in me i just because it almost debunks hype by telling you what the game is in such detail. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but then it obviously did for like a lot of peers. You know, scrolling through Twitter, I saw people saying all kinds of like, you know, I've just had this religious experience, and it's this, and it, you know, even uh, I don't know, maybe it rankled me a bit that Xbox were like they 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 themselves labelled it like one of the most important RPGs ever made, and it's like. Is it? Why says who? Says you? Well, of course you're going to say that. Why aren't you saying about Fable? I'm much more interested in Fable. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm definitely looking forward to playing it. It's you know, it's going to be on Game Pass. It'll you know, you can spend what is it nine quid and just play this game. That is preposterously generous. So um, yeah, that's yeah. that's good. That's uh, yeah. Wait and see on that one for me. In some ways as well, I, I did also um, I did also turn bits of it off because I was like, oh, I, I almost don't want to know too much about it. Like there's. There's, you know, I, I want the element of surprise and what it's like to step out into a world and things like that. But, um, yeah, and it, it, you know, when, like, the spaceship took off and there was spaceship combat and stuff, I was like, well, this is a ridiculously broad canvas they've they've, they've built here. It's mm. on that level alone, I feel like it's something I have to see. You know, if it's got, it's got that feeling of here's what a next-gen version of something you've experienced before actually looks like. So that is exciting mm. to me, for sure. Okay, Matthew, that aside, was, did you identify any more trends or was there anything you wish was there that didn't make an appearance? We speculated about hoping to see Indiana Jones at some point this year. Mm-hmm. That would have been nice. I'd like to see what machine games are up to. And generally on the Bethesda side, I feel like a lot of their studios are kind of in sort of quiet, sort of beavering away mode at the moment. So we don't really know what them, a lot of them are up to. I mean... A very boring pick from me, the, the the unlikeliest of Gears of War heads. I I definitely want to see a Gears of War six. I loved Gears of War five. Um, I would settle for a Gears Tactics two as well. If, should they ever choose to make that? Um, two games that I thought were incredibly strong, and I just want them to make more of. I'm just surprised that there wasn't even a teaser for Gears six. It felt like it's been a while, you know, to enter this generation without like your big kind of graphical showpiece for this generation kind of isn't even on the on the you know on the horizon yet so yeah uh and and the fact that there's just been nothing nintendo like it's a bit of a bummer like nintendo just like nope does that mean they really have nothing i don't know well they got uh it's there's a new pikmin out next month isn't there that's uh is that exciting yeah. to you got a little dog in it were you offended by that i know you're not a big dog guy no oh, i don't mind that <laughs> it's fine when Nintendo make like if anyone can make dogs good, it's Nintendo. <laughs> what a take, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I sort of see what you mean. There is, there is that thing as well of like the the Sony one was just far enough ahead of it that it didn't quite feel connected to the same event. So, in my top ten, I have picked one game that was in that showcase, but um, because it happened back in was it back in May? It happened, I think it was. That means that it's you know 
it's, it feels a little bit detached from this. So mm. there is that feeling of if this week had a Nintendo Direct and Sony in the same week, it would really change the vibe of the week, I think. It would it would suddenly seem like a much bigger deal than if it was just Microsoft holding it up. So yeah. there's a bit of that that goes on with it. I mean, there's a Capcom showcase happening while we record this, I think. Yeah, yeah. I assume that that won't have any announcements in it, but have will have more elaborate information on, elaboration if- rather on, you know, If I miss the announcement of uh, Ace Attorney 7, because I'm recording a podcast, if I wasn't there the moment it happened, I'm (laughs) going to be fuming. Yeah, okay, well, let's hope that doesn't happen then and, like, end this podcast as a a concern, as a going concern. That would be bad uh, for both of us. After all, this is your main job as established, Matthew, not a a side hustle. Yeah, I was with you on Indiana Jones. It felt like the year to do that was going to be when the film came out, which is, it makes you think, do they want to like not attach it to the baggage of that or is there a feeling as well of like maybe xbox has a big 2024 planned and they wanted to tease a little bit of what was coming but not everything and also yeah like that's the thing as well that that film is not reviewed well has it so it might be that avoiding that film might be a good idea and maybe when we've all seen it we'll will regret that it ever happened so um yeah <laughs> perhaps there's an element of that to it um yeah look out for more indiana jones chat on the uh the patreon feed um, later this month that should be fun so yeah i don't think there's anything besides that really to be honest i'm, I'm not i've never really sat here thinking oh i i want something i saw like a one minute trailer for two years ago to pop up again like contraband for example the um avalanche game that the mm. xbox is working on or I suppose you could say that 007, the um, IO Interactive game, is yeah. one of those things, Matthew, where that's been you know almost three years now since they announced they're doing that. So you would think that next year they would be ready to to either release it or break cover on it. I mean, you know, that would be the hope, wouldn't it? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That aside, Matthew, there's <laughs> one other thing I wanted to ask you about, which was what was the least impressive showing of a game you're otherwise excited about there? Now, there was one very specific game I had in mind when I suggested this on here, and I wondered if you twig what it was. But um, oh right, yeah. What did I you? No, I mean, I, I I was going to say I have heard since that it 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 previewed really well behind closed doors, but in in Jeff's stream, uh, I I wasn't that bothered about Alan Wake too. Oh right, yeah. I didn't think it. Came, I I wasn't blown away by that either. They, she just sort of went into a room and started shooting like yeah, a yeah, and then with... like a man came out and she pointed a torch at it, and I was like, eh, okay. Um, but people say that there's quite a lot more to that game, sort of behind, you know, behind closed doors. Yeah, I think I can sort of um, I can believe that from the demo, but from the bit they did show. But um, yeah, I think I agree with that. But I suppose like as well in the in my head, I'm just thinking, well, I know I'm going to play that anyway, so it doesn't matter what. Alan Wake doesn't need to sell itself to me. I'm one of the people who really liked the original and will definitely play a long awaited mm. sequel 12 years later, 13 years later. So, yeah, um, they've got me uh, over a barrel anyway with that one. The thing I was fishing for here, Matthew, was Hellblade 2, actually, which. Oh, right. Yeah. Was <laughs> yeah. one of my all time favorite showings of, uh, you know, like a proof of concept for what the game is back when they did that. Was it a Game Awards trailer that they did in 2021? Something like that. And. It was, um, yeah, fighting this, like, giant monster on a beach in Iceland, essentially. And there was, a, a go- I would say, like, a God of War-esque scale to it. And it felt massive and exciting. And this one, because, uh, you know, obviously Senua is suffering from, is it, like, psychosis? Is that essentially what mm. her, her condition is? So, you means it's a lot of, it, it was kind of just her in a cave by herself, and that was it. And I was there thinking, <laughs> well, this is a game where you fundamentally slash motherfuckers up just show me a bit of combat you know what i mean because i already believe that you th- this game looks incredible i just want to see more of what it was teased in yeah maybe they thought okay maybe that first showing wasn't quite 
thematic enough so maybe they need to balance it out with something more story focused but i was there thinking nah come on let's go i want to see if this is like the ninja theory god of war sort of like equivalent i want to fucking see it you know let's go so yeah i just you know i i believe that video game makers can do very convincing human faces now and you know if if it's more sophisticated on a pixel by pixel level like my my eye can't um comprehend that so like just having a showcase for like very fine details in a small scene seems very misjudged for a show which is all about like bluster and scale and size um just you know i was like yeah i i would hope that a small cave would look this good um i would hope a small cave would look <laughs> better um but was that your most disappointing small cave of uh not e3 Matthew? yeah yeah though i i wouldn't say the, the, the reason i didn't pick it for this is because it's not really a game that i'm otherwise that excited about like i'm not a big hellblade guy so i'm still waiting for that game i know the big the big man was in the big man um the the creepy guy that from that last demo was was pretty cool and and more along the lines of what i was into but yeah i don't know it's it's not a it's not a very fun hang the world of hellblade it's not for me (laughs) yeah that's kind of fair i did sort of divide people i remember a couple of people in our office were really quite down on it compared to some of the other outlets out there so yeah certainly i think that um it takes a it takes a risk with its themes that i think can gel Mm. with you or not and then its combat was quite quite tricky some of the sword fighting duels in in that game and the way enemies will pop up behind you and stuff but yeah i sort of i don't know this one this one does does still have the air of this is their big thing like this is why they bought the studio so they could take the germ of that first game and build you Mm. know a mansion on top of it um does that work as an analogy i don't really know but you know (laughs) the big guy in the cave he ain't popping up behind you (laughs) if you don't see that guy come in you've really messed up no exactly so yeah that was uh that was my least favorite cave of uh of not e3 so matthew with that in mind shall we take a break and come back with our top tens of what we've uh what we're excited <laughs> our about? top 10 caves <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i've got caves caves are glorious caves <laughs> i don't really know um fuck it yeah let's okay it. let's do it let's have a break back to the podcast so uh the baked page podcast because we're baking in this heat hey eh? am i right yeah uh Ooh. that's that's all i've got in the tank matthew because i'm just Good. fucking boiling alive yes bodes well for this next section doesn't it that one um, works better written down <laughs> yeah i think it does yeah the baked page podcast that's like yeah. just that's yeah real kind of five out of ten stuff there um but hey you know you didn't fucking get my santana smooth reference so what am i supposed to do you know yeah man it's a hot one still not triggered for you that one no i can't i can't even imagine what that song would sound like <laughs> do you know i will say not to kind of review the podcast while it's still going on right but i will say there is a slight element with this where you know when we did that what did we do that episode on like oh it's a ps5 versus xbox series x like revisited we did for patreon where we got to the end and thought is there much gas in the tank here and that is kind of happened slightly here where i'm like i don't think i could do the podcast churn thing everyone does every week where it's like they just talk about news and stuff because oh no you don't have 
those really juicy takes you have from like you know deep-seated opinions on games you've actually played for hours and hours so it ends up being very empty calorie podcasting you know what i mean talking talking about what might happen kind of blows i'm glad that we only do it like twice a year yeah exactly so uh let's fucking get this over with and log off so um two (laughs) sorry listener (laughs) no no i'm excited to talk about this stuff there's some yeah it was it was nice to curate this list and um i did have i did have more than 10 jostling for spots here matthew which is is good for me because i am quite fussy when it comes to to what i like so yeah, I would say actually uh, there is one thing that kind of links all these, and that is they all had gameplay showing. So I haven't picked anything that didn't have like what oh. what, what I felt was proper gameplay in it. Okay. So yeah, what some, about yours? Some of mine are very flimsy, and I just picked them because I was like, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I've also picked something where I thought I thought I am definitely infringing on Matthew Castle territory here. So I'm hoping you'll have something to say about it too. And who knows, Ooh. it might be on your list. So um, okay, uh, do you want to go first, Matthew, with your number ten? Yeah, I sort of didn't realise until quite late that this was like a ranking. Oh, right, yeah, because I did say in the chat, but I thought, should I underline that this is a ranking in case yeah, you Yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, so I've, I've tried to put them in some order, but like, yeah, this is all, this is definitely wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to kick off with one from the, uh, the PC gaming show. Mm. Uh, I was quite intrigued by Islands of Insights. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool, yeah. It looks like a big old weird mix of the Talos Principle, the Witness, and Professor Layton in that uh, the kind of Talos Principle of it all is that you seem to be sort of exploring the ruins of ancient civilizations and solving puzzles. But the the sort of the witness of it seems to be that it's quite open world and you can kind of navigate this big, mad sort of floating island landscape however you wish. And then there are lots of different puzzle mechanics, which is kind of what was making me think of Professor Layton. Like, in bits of it, they were doing kind of perception puzzles, lining up bits of the environment. In some of them, there was clearly some sort of, like, sequence puzzles going on. There was some stuff with tetronomos, which looked like something from Professor Layton. I was just like, oh, this looks like a big fucking dweeby island where big dweebs like me will be able to just chill out and solve loads of puzzles like we did in The Witness, maybe without, like as much kind of sort of wankery around the edges um there also seems to be like flying with like sort of fairy wings which i thought is that too kind of cringe for me to include this in this list do i really want to be associated with that well, that, that was what, when that happened. I was like, "Oh, there's a bit of Immortals: Phoenix Rising in this." As well, right, that's it. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot going on there, but I do like big, shiny 3D logic puzzle games like Tower's Principle. Maybe I should have picked the Tower's Principle too, um, but this one was more on my mind. So, um, yeah, the powerfully dorky Islands of Insights it is. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'm pleased that you've uh, talked it down while also um, praising it as something you're excited well, about. Well, that's why it's good. It's like, yeah, like yeah. that. That is a genre of that is a genre of get like d- dorky puzzle games is a thing. Um, yeah. and like you can try like their idea of making it cool is having all these like giant ancient civilization kind of bits of scenery and stuff, which in itself is very nerdy. Like if you get really pumped for like an old pillar <laughs> you're yeah. probably not cool yeah. <laughs> it means the aesthetic is a little bit misty as well or like you know the witness the witness is obviously the good good calling card for that. you know yeah. i i just i i like it it's it's like really sincere in that slight silliness um, i apologize to people who like pillars <laughs> I, apologize. I don't mind them 
Well, there was also um, the um, there was also a shared uh, world element to it, right? Like a co-op element. Yeah, to it. So, I. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't speak to me. Like, I don't want other people in my world solving my puzzles. Hmm. Like that would annoy me if, like, <laughs> you know, I go up to some plinth <laughs> and find someone else pushing a crate. I'll be annoyed. <laughs> You just go and like hit kick, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh... I'll be like, get the fuck out of my island, man! <laughs> That's my crate. Well, I'm not looking. I don't want to see how you do it. This is my island of insight, uh, <laughs> says the cool guy. Yeah, uh, that's that's really funny. Uh, so yeah, good. So we've not only gone over why you're excited about this game, but also the ways in which it could go wrong when it gets here. So perfect. That's um, that's great. Great talking up there. Um, okay, cool. Well, my first one is I've got to get out of the way, Matthew, because it'll just it'll probably just like you'll go oh for fuck's sake it's just sonic superstars okay so right um put this in here uh it's a 2d sonic game made with 3d graphics i thought it looked quite nice um it was the one thing i kind of checked out live during the um summer jeff fest i thought i thought it's like oh yeah this is this is this is decent i'm excited about this so yeah it's like four different um increasingly cursed sonic characters um, have to go and get some Chaos Emeralds. Um, there is a very cursed old um, fucking Sonic Game Gear enemy called Fang who's in this. Um, when I read the line on like and featuring the exciting return of Game Gear something Fang, I did laugh out loud that when I read that on a website <laughs> earlier this week. Um, obviously Eggman. Somewhere uh, there's Jay Bayless fist pumping. <laughs> no Shadow the Hedgehog though, which is important. They'll probably sell him as DLC though, so uh, let's not count him out just yet. Um, yeah, it's sort of like the thing. The thing that I was cautious about with this is one. I would be have been happy just for the Sonic Mania lot to make a sequel because I think we all agree Sonic Mania was actually great, and in the two levels that were like a massive departure visually from what had been previously established in Sonic, it was agreed that they'd added something to the formula that wasn't there before necessarily. Um, like that mm. press garden zone, fucking amazing in um, Sonic Mania. I had a really great time with that game. So this. I feel like people had forgotten that Sonic 4 happened a little bit <laughs> when people were discussing this. I was like, well, there was that. There was already a game that did this that had like 3D visuals and but looked like 2D Sonic. So mm. people have a short memories for Sonic, I think. But it did also make me think, oh, with Sonic, they're at least going for an easy win. You know, it's something that it doesn't seem that hard. It shouldn't be that hard to do a good 2D or side-scrolling Sonic game. So, yeah, thought mm. the, the style of this was just right, Matthew. Previously seemed quite positive, so... Yeah, a bit of optimism from me. And certainly less cursed than Live Surface Crash Bandicoot, which was a firm no from me, dog. So um, <laughs> <laughs> season pass, the Crash Bandicoot is not the one, I'm afraid. Oh, my uh, word. Yeah, no thank you. I, I don't understand what that game is at all. Like, why not just put that that game's service model on like a new Crash Team Racing? People really like that game. Yeah, that's true. And they sort of, um, it seemed to, it's always like in the sales charts on PlayStation as well. When you go to buy a game on sale, it's always there. So people must just keep mm. buying it. So, but, yeah, but yeah, I don't even watch that trailer. But, yeah. toy, poor old toys for Bob. Who <laughs> yeah. is Bob? Who is receiving all these toys? Yeah, my guy Bob just. So, yes, Sonic Matthew, any thoughts on that or just, should we just move on? Uh, no, I was going to ask whether it was the Sonic Mania team because I haven't really been following this one, but it sounds like it is not. No, but it is made by um, an old, old time Sonic guy, which is um, uh, the, uh, the basically the original. That could be many games journalists. <laughs> The original, it's the original character designer. Is it Naoto Oshima? That guy. So oh, okay. 
Yeah, so um, I'm pretty sure. Is he one of Yuji Naka's like enemies now? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, actually, I I'm mean, just gonna he's, he's got see. bigger enemies to worry about now. I can't, I don't know if he's been. Oh yes, he was the one who was blotted from the photo. That's, <laughs> he's, he's that guy, which you know, a great couple of years for him. Really, he's just like. I mean, what, what? It's like it's like Succession, isn't it? He gets erased from a photo. Naka goes to jail, and this guy's making the new Sonic. It's just like, yeah, it's uh, yeah, Succession with Sonic the Hedgehog. Truly a cursed combination. So good stuff there, but um. Yeah, so th- there is an original creator at least involved with this. I don't personally take that to mean en- to, to mean that much because, uh, you know, like it's you know if he's an artist, it's all about the platforming, isn't it? And that's what Mania mm. got right. So that's enough Sonic talk, Matthew. What's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is actually a bit of a double whammy. I've put together the two Like a Dragon games, mm-hmm. um, which is Like a Dragon Gaiden, Gaiden, the man who erased his name, which yep. is a sort of side story that fills in the gap between yakuza 6 and uh, yakuza like a dragon and uh like a dragon infinite wealth which is basically yakuza 8 the sequel to like yakuza like a dragon <laughs> god these names are confusing which obviously had like they didn't show any of the gameplay but it was the Ichiban waking up on the beach in hawaii with no clothes on and people screaming at him with all the slightly goofy sort of Austin Powers sight gags where his junk's covered up with like seashells and like well-placed tubes of sun lotion, uh, which, you know, is always a good bit. Um, yeah, like these guys just, they make so many games. It's unreal. I, I love most of their games. I just love the industry of this team and how many of these things they managed to make. It's incredibly impressive. They're like the anti-rock steady you know, a hundred games in eight years or something mad. So a future with both of these in it is is a, a good future for me. Was struck by the contrast in tone between these two reveals. So yep, man wakes up naked on a beach, very different vibes, um, for sure. But also Infinite Wealth is a great subtitle for a game. That's just that's as good, isn't it? So yeah, I was I saw that yeah. and thought, <laughs> yep, they they are still coming out a steady clip. You will not be short of these games ever now. Um that's two in one year you're gonna have. So yeah. Let's see how far they push it because I think I read from a, another rumor as well. There's another Judgment game coming, Matthew, at some point, and Ooh, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, so um, who knows? I don't. I I think I, the same rumor said that they they may not do another adaptation of an old one. Like they might not get to Kenzan, for example, the PS3 historical right. one. But um, yeah, so yeah, big time, big time for to be a fan of this series. So uh, yeah, Ooh. good good pick, Matthew. I don't know how you get the time to play through all this shit. To be honest, it's just so much game, isn't it? Okay, my number nine is Sword of the Sea. This was my only game from the PS showcase. This Ooh, was yeah. from the uh, the artist behind um, uh, Abzu and uh, before that Journey, and then did um, the game Pathless as well. This was like a, a kind of a, a similar vibe of sort of like a sand surfing game with that very distinctive art style, but while actually I'm quite I'm guilty of only playing a little bit of Pathless, it did seem pretty cool, and um, I think at the time people kind of dug it, but maybe it wasn't considered the sexiest of the PS5 things you could do at the time. Um, right. This, this kind of art style is is sort of adjacent to what the Ico and Shadow of the Colossus art style was in some ways. It's warmer and more colourful, but it's just so singular and creates such a specific lonely mood in you that i was just Ooh. i just thought it was a, i just thought it was a nice trailer basically and thought oh well i will play that i will play the sand surfing game with absolutely beautiful art direction did this one make an impact on you at all matthew yeah this this almost made my list definitely an honorable mention um 
yeah you're right like it's like really soulful looking but at the same time it seems to have uh, a kind of playfulness at its core in that your sort of surfboard is almost seems to behave more like a skateboard like there are like half pipes and ramps and things in the trailer and what you're almost doing quite gnarly tricks in this you know very beautiful environment um i'm intrigued to see what like the balance there is i think sometimes these things can be a bit too sort of sort of solemn so the idea of it being you know a bit bodacious or whatever the the surface slang is is that surface slang <laughs> uh yeah rings a bell is that something that bill and ted say i don't know um yeah bodacious. Well, often that, they yeah. say like there's bodacious babes obviously i i wouldn't say that myself um, yeah i mean it sounded wrong coming out of you to be honest <laughs> yeah it's not right at all it sounds hateful when i say it <laughs> yeah so that is rather a hate, than, rather than hate celebratory which i imagine it's intended as <laughs> celebratory <laughs> <laughs> like look look at these bodacious babes it's got like, a big like eighties um, sort of quiz show energy that hasn't it? Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's um, I know what you mean though. I think like the part I think the pathless was like this too, where I think there were some quite precise combat mechanics in there combined with um, nice sort of movement and stuff. And I think I agree that these games, I think, to have that, I, I, if you can combine intricate mechanics with that it's all about the vibes man approach to environmental design and stuff I, yeah. think, I think i think you need that now rather than th- those games that are just experiential i just don't think people have as much yeah. time for them so i think like you say the fact there are half pipes and they've said that they're trying to combine the speed and flow of skating games with the emotional core and exploration they're otherwise known for that's a really good combo i think so this mm. left this left an impact and it's um one of two games involving skateboard like things on my list although this is actually a sword that you skate and uh yeah acts like a hoverboard and a skateboard um and a snowboard all in one apparently that's uh according to the developers Gnarly. giant squid yeah bodacious <laughs> babes what a bodacious <laughs> sk- surfing sword um oh dear uh why didn't tony hawk ever stick a sword on his thing and chop like any naysayers down like yeah. the policemen who are like you can't skate in london or the reviewers who gave tony hawk ride a three out of ten you know those naysayers <laughs> <laughs> okay what's your number eight matthew uh, my number eight is uh, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. That's on my list uh, too. Uh, slightly, uh, slightly higher, but we can discuss it now. In fact, it's my number yeah. eight. It's my number eight as well. So, so that's perfect. Yeah, this is uh, Ubisoft's Return to Prince of Persia has uh, a two D sort of Metroidvania style. So you could say like, oh, it's going back to Princess Persia's roots, but it actually looks very, very different from old school. Um, quite methodical Prince of Persia. Um, this has uh, seemingly like uh, a, a, a much more kind of um, rambunctious kind of combat system. Reminded me in ways of the t- the 2D Lords of Shadow, Mirror of Fate, in some of the kind of 2D combos. That sort of 2D sort of Devil May Cry, very athletic. You can kind of throw yourself around. I know other people have sort of said sort of metroid dread in the 2.5 d-ness of it as well which i definitely see uh i know some people who've been to play this and uh went over to montpellier to play it and were telling me about it and uh they were saying that like it actually has some really fun time mechanics in it like you can kind of leave a kind of copy of yourself that you can kind of revert back there at any any time so you can kind of go off and do stuff and then very quickly like rewind time to get back there and it feels like it is leaning into the kind of time powers of sands of time too so yeah a real hodgepodge of stuff that i'm into and i just i just like the look of it and uh you know a flashy 
slightly like bigger budget metroidvania is something i will always be into <laughs> yeah it's a funny one this because i actually didn't see the um the the uh, summer jeff fest uh, trailer for this i just saw uh like the response to it and our guy jeremy peel going viral on twitter saying it was um you know this was the same studio that made the rayman games origins and uh legends so but i watched the you know the full gameplay presentation at the the ubisoft thing and it looked great i thought so i could i was really surprised to hear there was even any disappointment i guess you could say the art style is you know it's it doesn't look like a triple a ubisoft game in that sense but it sort of looks like to me i think all of the all of the bits you pull out there about um you know uh castlevania uh laws of shadow and mirror fate and all that stuff is is accurate there is like such a metro dread streak running through this i think it's mm. that just that handbook of well obviously there is original prince of persia dna in this too but that how do you make that modern athletic exciting vibe where the camera pulls in as well sometimes so it kind of looks it does look like a kind of 3d blockbuster up close sometimes but then it pulls back and you're side scrolling again and just presentationally just really impressed me matthew so i was Ooh. with you on this i thought this was a real highlight of the show and i just looked at it and thought i'll definitely play that i'll definitely play that it'll cost about probably about 25 quid I absolutely give that a go so yeah an impressive an impressive reprise for this series that sort of had a weird neglectful few years it's just been sort of like left to fester a little bit which is which is strange because for a long time this was the Ubisoft calling card, you know, um, for basically the PS2 generation. So, yeah, mm. good stuff, Matthew. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, that was my number eight. Um, so your number seven, I believe. Yes, is Dragon's Dogma 2. Oh, nice. Yeah, not on my list. From the PlayStation Showcase, and I would imagine being shown at the Capcom Showcase tonight. I will say I, I did also really like the look of their other thing that they announced at Xbox, Kunitsu Gami Path of the Goddess, but I, I also found it slightly hard to pass and was waiting for them to kind of explain it a bit more. Dragon's Dogma 2, I just kind of sort of know know what I'm getting, or sort of have an idea of what to expect, um, which is sort of action, adventure, RPG, but with uh, a slightly more kind of sort of physical, satisfying kind of combat at its heart. You know, I think it has sort of Capcom's sense of how games are meant to feel and how games are meant to feel kind of very kind of reactive and fun under the fingers, married to a genre which is sometimes a bit more sort of stodgy and detached. Um, that's what I'd say is the strength of Dragon's Dogma, like, one. And this just looks to be more of the same. Um, I just really like its very broad fantasy palette that it's all kind of like medusas and there's a sphinx and a giant griffin and you're climbing on its back and stabbing in the head it's it's very sort of um sort of unfussy sort of uh, not not worried about being anything too kind of groundbreaking within its own fantasy vision and that i've got a lot of time for it's just a game about hunting down a big dragon it looks like a dragon who steals your heart which is um you know a good as good a reason as any to kill a dragon i guess yeah, I sort of like, I think the current Capcom Golden Age sort of started about three or four years ago now when Resi 2 Remake and Devil May Cry 5 came out and mm. it, it, has, it has only persisted, you know, and mm. now we seem to be entering this quite interesting phase where they are, I would say, taking risks relative to what a lot of other big publishers are doing at the moment, you know, there are new series in here. There is like you know, there's some some quite unusual looking stuff like Exo Primal, you know, made of like familiar parts maybe, but seems quite Capcom according to people who have mm. played it, and I'm looking forward to it. 
And, you know, Dragon's Dogma was arguably the most kind of like, you know, the biggest Capcom wild card to come out of the 360 era. Um, one of the highlights of this podcast was the time Joe Screbs talked about it in detail. That was a really fun fun mm. bit of whatever podcast that was that joe came on i think it was the indie games one actually it was um yeah, it was really really good and so yeah like um i agree the monsters look rad the combat looks really nice it's a capcom game so it looks pretty as fuck it also looks quite goofy as you expect from a capcom game yeah. so it's all there you know all the pieces are there some great fucking monsters to kill um definitely up for this one we'll definitely give yeah. this one a proper go so yeah it's 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 just interesting i think a lot of what's being said about final fantasy 16 in terms of what square enix were trying to achieve like by literally bringing in like a devil may cry combat designer it's just interesting that like there's a lot of that dna already in dragon's dogma mm. like it maybe doesn't have quite the 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 kind of devil may cryish kind of like sort of stylish combat system it's a bit more sort of functional than that but like it's the same guy be- behind this as is behind devil may cry 5 and 3 i think right uh, and 4 uh, i can't remember his name is it Izu- azuka azuna um, anyway apologies to him um and yeah so like that that marriage of something a bit more kind of fun under the fingers but still satisfying the kind of fantasy kind of tropes isn't like quite as out there as some of the final fantasy 16 publicity is trying to make it out to be right yeah that's that's my take No, that's, a, that's an interesting take for sure. Um, but you know what it needs? It needs more hot boys. Dragon's Dogma too, Matthew, if he wants to stand out, and Ralph yeah, Innocent. Yeah, you know it, I mean? it doesn't it have those. Got a lot of hot boys. Yeah, or Ralph <laughs> Innocent. So that's uh, you know that's tough. Well, we don't know that yet. We haven't <laughs> heard. We haven't heard the entire Dragon's Dogma two cast. You're, like, You're gonna go out there and kill that dragon. Oh, that was my best. The best I could do is the most generic Northern voice. He's got such a specific voice. It's never gonna get it. Gonna get anywhere near that one. Um, okay, good. Dragon's Dogma two. Did they give a release date for that one? Is that? Uh, no not yet vague next year kind of times probably yeah Yeah. okay cool um yes okay hashtag do it for squebs uh (laughs) um (laughs) by the way that prince of persia game is 50 dollars, so i was completely wrong about it being 25 quid Um, all right so yeah that's uh that's different you can play on you play plus on day one though so maybe i get a seven day trial or something i fear the internet's decided it's bad oh what is you think it's already too late for it it was good it looked good though it was yeah that's tough i don't Mm, okay well well, you know i'm not gonna fight the internet on this um okay my number seven is star wars outlaws matthew so they got me over a barrel right they announced the star wars game at the xbox conference and i was like yeah you know it's cg teaser whatever fine and i knew this obviously we knew this game was coming this was the announcement they made when when lucasfilm were like we're not just making games for the a now you know we want loads of people to pitch us star wars games and this is their big thing they came out with is there is an open world game from ubisoft massive the division developers who also revealed avatar the game which is not on my list and not on my honorable mentions either i just not i'm not really an avatar guy unfortunately but obviously star wars listeners of this podcast have been subjected to three of my podcasts about the subject now poor bastards this um this was I was considering putting this slightly lower because the demo they showed, which which um, they very smartly said it's coming to the Ubisoft conference tomorrow, and then showed it last. So if you only wanted to tune in for that one thing, you had to watch the entire live stream to get to it at the end. Which, to be honest, is quite smart term um, scheduling. Um, but it it sort of like at first it was just some sort of third person shooting, and then uh, your main the main character in it she gets on a bike and then she kind of like drives off. There's little very familiar mechanics in it. She's got a little like um, sort of like dog like companion thing she can tell um, to go and sort of activate and deactivate things. And 
which seemed a quite a Ubisofty sort of mechanic with their you know sort of Far Cry companions and various watchdogs kind of mechanics and stuff like that. So I thought it was a little bit familiar on that front. But the thing it did that I really liked was when the main character got in a spaceship and took off, she could actually fly into outer space. And right. that is always going to get me, I'm afraid. That's like Starfield did the same thing. It's like we've not only built, you know, what you're always used to in these games is you fast travel between the worlds, right? Or at best, you get what Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor give you, which is a little bit of a montage. You little wait around, and then in real time, the new planet loads up and you get out, and you know, fine. But now we're at the stage where you can actually get in a ship, fly off, and then go to, in, you know, without a loading screen into orbit get into a space battle, go into hyperspace, and then arrive at your next destination or whatever. And I really dug that, Matthew. Even if the rest of it, I was sort of like, I guess I wasn't down on, but I'm not sold on it yet. How did you feel about this one? Yeah, uh, I was quite excited about like what it was going to be. I must admit that demo didn't sort of set my set my world alight. It just had all the hallmarks of those very kind of scripted demos where, you know... Go all the little extra lines of dialogue that they've added to make it seem incredibly reactive. Um, I just sort of see through that stuff. I think you're right about like the scale of it and the taking off, but uh, I don't know. Open world game, different factions. The, the chat around it didn't didn't like particularly fill me with hope. I must admit, but I, I don't have the that little Star Wars buzz. You know that doesn't do really do anything for me either way. So well, sorry. That's fine. I think if it had just been all that stuff on the planet, I'd have been like, ah, that was quite a lukewarm showing for something that is meant to be, presumably, like the, probably the biggest thing that Ubisoft's got next year. Um, yeah. Assuming it comes out next year, um, which I think is another question if the same studio's making Avatar, and that's taking years yeah. to make. So, um, I've, just, yeah. I've only got room in my heart for one slightly knockoff a Star Wars character with a little <laughs> comedy sidekick. <laughs> And they did. That was the other thing is it is tough to do this after Jedi Survivor, right? Because it didn't getting on the speeder bike and and driving off in it didn't really have the same like Jedi Survivor has some of the best traversal mechanics of any modern blockbuster game to me. It was, you know, a bit of skill, a bit of spectacle. It's all there. Mm. And this game, this game coming afterwards is like you're a normal human on the ground with a blaster and you've got to scoot around on your little bike. And it's, yeah, it's tough to have the same appeal as you've got your grappling hook thing and then you hop, you know, you go wall running up and up this cliff and then suddenly you're in the sky or whatever. Like it's, it's tough to yeah. compare to that. It's yeah. just something about at the heart of like Star Wars's visual DNA, which I just don't know if it suits like a big, busy open world. You know, like the films and and the more successful games, you know, they're very kind of controlled spaces where you can really like manage the the kind of like the amazing sort of background scenery that you never actually get to. You know, it's like linear paths set in front of these amazing bits of like concept art, basically. When you just give someone that big sort of sort of generic open world with like some hills and loads of rocks and loads of trees everywhere like not not a single frame of it looks like an iconic star wars game or an iconic star wars moment which is something you can say for like i think the jedi fallen order game or the other good star wars games is that they kind of in moments look like the films i think there's something about the visual language of star wars that just doesn't suit an open world it Maybe. looks. It looks more like Star Wars when she got into outer space. I thought it looked. Yeah, you know yeah. that iconography is unmistakable. I think it's a fair point about the 
bits on the ground. The thing I also try to keep in mind is I'm the guy who is constantly complaining about the fact there are no more third-person shooters anymore. So when they're actually like doing third-person shooters that have linear bits in them, I thought, well, I probably will enjoy this still. But yeah, it was just that stuff was I was slightly more lukewarm on. But I want to believe that this could be good, even though I've also got the same fatigue with the open world genre that a lot of people do and 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 sort of do wonder how much this will blow away those cobwebs which is a much larger Mm. challenge and more of an existential question about that genre really which is (laughs) has not really evolved despite its well perhaps because of its absolutely enormous popularity you know so Mm. yeah okay well that's um that was a a weird note for that one but um i nonetheless look forward to it what's the number six matthew uh cocoon ah made my honorable mentions yeah by geometric interactive which is some ex play dead people i mm. think i'm still not 100 percent sure on what, what like the central puzzle mechanic is it's kind of worlds within worlds like you're in you're in like a little puzzle a sort of 3d puzzle world but then you can kind of, sort of step outside of that world and it reveals that that world is contained within an orb which in itself is contained within a 3d world which is contained in an orb it's like kind of inception for sort of worlds and the mechanic seems to be that you can kind of pull things in and out of the different layers of this world so like something that may exist in one of the orb worlds could be pulled out to the outer layer where it will help you solve a puzzle there um i'm interested if there's more to it in terms of like where those orbs go and how they behave like when you're carrying the orbs it seems to change the behavior like one orb seems to reveal like hidden things that were invisible it's kind of like a special lens and you know, another orb might, I don't know, let you throw it as a weapon or something. I'm not entirely sure. For, you know, the trailer, there was a lot going on. Some interesting mechanics where you could sort of like jump into an orb world to avoid a threat in your current layer of the world and then quickly exit again. So you could literally use it as like a dodging maneuver. Yeah, I like whatever's going on, it looks sort of sublimely animated, visually very striking, as you'd expect from people who worked on on like limbo and inside yeah i just yeah i I dig it but i don't really know what it is (laughs) yeah i i was sort of i was sort of with you it had that slight whiff of like is it like sort of death door sort of thing a little bit of tunic in there maybe as well just sort of like those kind of like high-end isometric games is that fair do you think is a yeah but i think with like puzzle rather than combat at its heart yeah that's probably fair yeah uh, so yeah, yeah, I thought this looked this looked really cool too. Which of the streams was this in again? I can't, but was this in the Day of the Dead? Yes, I think it was because he had a bit where the dude was talking first. I think he's like, I think he was the gameplay designer or something like that, or yeah, like or like an artist or one of those. Oh, things. that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it was gameplay designer actually. So yeah, it was um, it was uh, it was a cool showing and yeah, another indie game where I was like, yep, definitely going to give that a go. So nice, uh, nice to see it there. My next one, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Time to infringe on Matthew Castle's turf and pick Shadow Gambit, the Cursed Crew. Um, oh. So I actually don't know which of the live streams this was in, Matthew, but I watched the trailer for it, which I think announced the release date. Maybe it was in the PC Gaming show, actually. Yeah, it was um, PC Gaming, yeah. yeah. Which it, it screams them because um, Phil was always a big Shadow Tactics fan. So, yeah, so I, um, I, you have previously talked about this. You are the big me, me, me head of this podcast. <laughs> and it's, um... it's always about me 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 <laughs> and but the thing i i was i was i watched a couple of the um previews that came off the back of this as well and what kind of amazed me about it was it is like this basically this pirate themed stealth stealth game kind of top-down stealth game where yeah you are you are basically fulfilling a series of objectives over, across these maps and taking out enemies silently and 
hiding and things like that. But um, so in that kind of like what is basically the old commandos mold, right? That's basically what yeah, they are that's drawing. Right, yeah. That's what they're drawing from. And they've done this with Desperados and Shadow Tactics. So they've definitely they are the basically the owners of this this game type now. Um, what I loved about this one is the maps seem to be vast, Matthew. There seem to be some mm. really fucking huge sort of like you know sandboxy locations to to figure out and quite varied objectives and things like that. But it was also just the art style. It's a really really beautiful looking game. It's sort of like it's sort of you know obviously we live in the sort of sea of thieves age and it, it does feel like it's got a little bit of that to it right in terms of the sort mm-hmm. of tone it's it's fun again there's a sea shanty over the trailer for this one matthew which you were no doubt appalled I'll, by i'll allow it, <laughs> I'll allow it <laughs> reluctantly um i was just really impressed by it and i thought you know what i have not played one of these games at all and matthew has banged on about them for so long i should just <laughs> fucking play one because this what this looks like it's it seems like it's the culmination of what what they're great at you know i mean they arguably yeah. arguably they've already they've already had the that sort of apotheosis moment a, a couple of times but people seem so reassured that what this was doing as a stealth experience was so fucking good and so modern feeling that they they just they were really overwhelmed by it so there's some really great previews out there about it so that got me hyped matthew how are you feeling about Ooh. this one yeah i'm really excited i haven't put it on my top 10 just because i've talked about it quite a lot you know and it's 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 sort of quite a known thing to me um Catherine was playing a big preview build for a big RPS preview she did, and yeah, it looks really great. I mean, the, the big difference between this and Shadow Tactics and Desperados 3 is that um, it is a bit more open, like that. It's set on like these big islands. You can choose kind of where you enter the level from a, from different angles, and also the squad of undead pirates you bring. I think it's a squad of three. You build them yourselves, where in the previous games, they always gave you quite explicit like these are the characters for this level and then they built the challenges around them accordingly so the big challenge in this one is how do you build this satisfying stealth challenge when you don't know which direction they're coming from and who's coming at you from that direction um each character's powers you know really change how that game plays you know there's one who can kind of create more cover so we'll like block sight lines that way there's another one who has a cannon who can like shoot characters to sort of can you know can pick up the heroes and then fire them to new places so you know yeah there's huge potential here i'm really interested how they've done that without like blowing that the, the 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 kind of tension at the heart of it and how tightly kind of crafted the levels were in like shadow tactics and particularly in desperado 3 so yeah i, I have absolute faith they've worked it out and they know what they're doing but it, yeah this 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 should be one of the better games of the year if yeah. it all works out yeah, it's out on the 17th of August as well, so just a couple yeah. of months and you better play that one. So, uh, yeah, um, I was really buzzing from it. And it might be, it might it might just be the one that breaks them through to that next level of popularity, yeah. you know, it mean, just, yeah. It's it's their IP as well. So, yeah, hopefully, like, they'll, they'll you know, it'll, it'll do the numbers for them and let them carry on doing these things. Though, though as I've said before, one day I do hope they get the Mission Impossible license. Um <laughs> Just because that would be the raddest game ever. That is I'm going to keep saying it on this podcast so that when <laughs> one day when it eventually does happen, everyone will think I'm some kind of prophet. <laughs> that is the uh, yeah, like the most Matthew Castle game you could possibly request, really, isn't it? <laughs> Outside of some kind of rhythm action Randy Newman joint. Um, but that would seem a bit too on the nose for you, wouldn't it? So Yeah, yeah especially if they then did Alias DLC for Mission Impossible <laughs> Game. Yeah, just seasons one and two, you know. Just um, Yeah. Okay, good stuff, Matthew. So what's your number five? Maybe a little out of character in that it's a little bit D diddly D. Um <laughs> I've gone for that sheep herding game, Summerhill. 
oh, you know what? I thought about putting that in here, but then I thought, will Matthew call this out as being D-diddle-D? So there was a little bit <laughs> of that it to is. it. Yeah. It's very much a D-diddle-D game, um, particularly when like this very rustic-looking chap who was working on the game said in a little interview, like, oh, we're all, you know, we all come from this land. and Big Edgar really Wright energy like, to that guy. <laughs> we're all into, like, sheep herding and all this kind of stuff. I was like, well, fair enough. Yeah, I mean... I like my guess is that this is going to be a little bit like Pitmin, except you're sort of herding sheep. You're a shepherd with a, with his dog, and there's a load of sheep, and they seem to have very nice flock physics, flock AI. I don't know. Um, in that when you chase them about, the way they seem to run across the landscape looks really nice. On their Steam page, it talks about kind of guiding the flock and using that mass of them to sort of solve puzzles and split the flock up into different groups to solve puzzles which to me sounds very pikmin just how you interact with them which is like guiding them with a separate character rather than directly steering them with like the the pikmin cursor yeah i I I thought that that was super intriguing and just the look of the thing like that you know immaculate vibes as they say very kind of sort of stormy dour coastland with lots of um, cool little sheep running everywhere. Uh, yeah, I think it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, I did too. You know, it's obviously that's a bit of the old West Country sort of tendrils getting into you there, Matthew. You know, um, yeah, I uh, I liked it as well. I thought there was a little bit of, you know, it was it was like quite forlorn tonally, mm. and there's like a coming of age, you know, story element to it. So there is, you know, that it's trying to conjure up emotions as well as having like good sheep physics or whatever, which, you know, sheep sheep, animations, which look very nice in the trailer. Yeah, I was impressed by this too. And I actually, one thing I also really liked about Day of the Devs is they did all get to make their pitch, right? They did all come on camera and they said, Mm. here's what we're making. Here's what it's inspired by. Because they said it was inspired by their own games and then Journey. And um, yeah, I think I was like, maybe one other thing in there. I can't remember. Um, I I couldn't deal with in Day of the Devs seeing people who are like characters from Psych Odyssey, their documentary, because <laughs> some of the some because obviously they film it with with um, Double Fine, and so some of the Double Fine people you're like, oh, it's that person from the documentary who wasn't like a big character in the documentary, but has obviously since then gone on to like be a bit more important in that they're hosting bits of this this um this stream so that was quite cool good for them yeah i feel like i'm very parasocial with (laughs) with um double fine because of that documentary yeah you're a big greg rice head these days that's uh well it's like greg rice and there was there was this i can't remember what she did at the studio i thought she was like an artist there's this woman in uh i can't i can't remember her name is it's terrible but she was in the stream as well and i was like oh her she was like quite a quiet background character in the documentary but she must be you know more important because Greg Rice left, right? Um, in a very moving episode. <laughs> yeah, I've still not finished it, so that's uh, that's on me. Um, but yeah, as mentioned, Matthew, I've got the uh, the mental block from the as previously mentioned. Like someone on, in that documentary unfollowed me on Twitter, so I've still got to get over that mental barrier. So that's 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 a lot for me to to deal with. Um, yeah, so yeah, I agree with you. This this did look cool. I'm glad you called this out because I should have I should have put this in here too. But I did I did just think you ah, scared you were f- you feared my ridicule. Well, I don't know why because you don't you don't judge. You're very encouraging of all my <laughs> Not bullshit. Only I do. So well, you, yeah, you do. But you know, you do it you do it quietly and behind my I, back. I do it off mic. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So no, I agree that I was like I say, pound for pound, Day of the Devs was probably my favourite stream of the of the thing. It was just you know curated and cool. So, in fact, actually, my next game, Matthew, was from that stream. It was well, it's Hellskate. Did you see this in that live stream? I yeah, I did. 
not not quite my cup of tea, but I'm interested to see what 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 clicked with you. Yeah, so this is basically a fusion. Or to me, it seemed like the 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 coding in the language was we've combined Devil May Cry and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and you know, and I was frankly I was digging that. You know, as a man of like with a lot of PS2 genre heritage, that sort of that sort of spoke to me. I thought it was a really convincing pitch for a game, but also that the the actual gameplay they showed looked pretty cool it was hard to kind of describe the art style really i guess i'll kind of come back to that but what was interesting is that the skate part of it is like it's not being sidelined because they've got combat it's meant to be in addition to it so i get the impression that you're going to be doing these combos that combine tricks as well as the combat um in the in sort of the way that you know both um, devil may cry and tony hawk would would rate you but doing that at the same time so they've actually got one of the designers of tony hawk's underground working on this one so um i thought that was um that was really interesting it's really hard to find out information about this game on the web on the internet though it's got no steam page anything like that it doesn't seem to have an official website it was just in that stream and so i guess they just submitted it or something but yeah it was just the it was the thing it was maybe like the gamiest thing that was in day of the devs but yeah it just it just spoke to me as something a bit different to what else was in the show matthew what Mm. did you uh, think of this one yeah, I mean, just it looked a little like hectic. And wasn't there a demonic skating game in Devolver Digital last year? Yeah, that's like called Skate Story, I think. Yeah, there was one that was all—it was like a guy skate skating, but he was like made of crystals. It looked really evil. Right. Do you uh, remember that? <laughs> yeah, that is cool. I think that is called Skate Story. That is the one, I believe, the one that's where the camera's really up close and it looks like it's the Silver Surfer on a. On a yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it had a weird name, like Ice Demon or something. No, I think it's called Skate Story. I think that's right. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's come out yet. That looked quite different, though. That did look. Yeah, yeah, I know, but 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 I was sort of like, oh, it's it's like a skating game with like a weird energy to it, and maybe I've only got enough headspace for one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. You're at capacity for uh, for that particular <laughs> genre. This was a bit more colorful i'm uh yeah really curious to see how this plays out but the level seemed quite vast as well it just it was moving really quickly uh, just yeah yeah sort of spot on as a kind of oh that really speaks to me i hope it's good basically so um uh, yeah roguelike as well uh, uh apropos of nothing i just remembered the worst thing i saw over the last week go on that twisted metal clip from the tv show did you see that no i didn't i wasn't watching the stream at that point was it was oh it? It was tough. my god that looks so bad <laughs> Isn't it Anthony Mackie in it as well? Oh, it's just, yeah, but like, it was a scene not in Cars, so it was like <laughs> him and Sweet Tooth, whoever the fuck that is, um, like just in a casino. Oh, the writing was atrocious. Oh, it was so embarrassing. I felt so embarrassed for Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Because that, um, that dude is like, good. You shouldn't be allowed to choices. be an Avenger if you've also done that. <laughs> yeah because i think that dude is like is talented so it's weird when you see him making those kind of choices this is oh it's so bad because they've got like some huge wrestler guy playing sweet tooth right but he's voiced by will arnett oh god that's a bad choice so it's like so it's like a live action performance but because his head is hid behind a mask it's just will arnett's voice coming out of it right and uh, just really bad really bad yeah okay that's uh yeah i don't want to watch that i don't think this is going to save the uh flailing um peacock network matthew this kind of thing it's uh ditching girls five ever and uh commissioning twisted metal instead um that's tough okay what's your number four matthew uh baldur's gate three ah not on my list 
which again super obvious matthew pick this one um they've just been showing off more and more of this game as they get closer the big news here was at the pc gaming show they finally showed off Baldur's gate the city itself um you know the big mystery that kind of hung over this game was how are they going to do the city because with their level of kind of like dense quest design and environmental design you know surely you weren't going to do a whole city and i i'm still not entirely sure like how big it is compared to some of the, like the urban spaces they've done in like divinity say but it looks substantial and, and the big point that they were making is that um it isn't just like a load of connected areas that you walk between which was their original idea and how they would normally handle like a, a, a really big environment they say it is a big open world city so there's like interaction between the different parts and if your character could fly you know they could fly across the whole city say and you know there is something quite magic about seeing buildings that you recognize from that world you know from the the original game when you went to Baldur's Gate and there's some quite iconic landmarks and you know in the original game it was split into like a series of like eight or ten different screens which you had to constantly kind of walk between made it quite a chore so just being able to sort of sell the fantasy of that place um and in that side that place is a character voiced by jason isaacs which they announced as well uh quite a starry cast slowly amounting for this one because it's got uh yeah jason isaacs is also there uh, uh, jk simmons as well from whiplash is like another villain in it so um yeah i just feel like they're they're certainly throwing some money at this one um and it's so close like it's coming out in august is it i think yeah very exciting yeah so i uh i have not really been following this one have you like checked it out in early access much since it first launched um i've played it a couple of times for like up key updates for like rps coverage and things like that or when i've gone and interviewed them at various things um i haven't actually touched it for a while just because i wanted a bit of distance and you know, I wanted to kind of go in fresh. Like, I, I felt super familiar with it, you know, in maybe the first six months, year of it. Um, but now I feel I can just enjoy it. But, I mean, there's just so much of this game they haven't shown. You know, this entire kind of, you know, the kind of characters that you can play throughout it that they haven't announced yet and, you know, classes they haven't announced. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. And even though I'm not, like, hugely invested in D&D and it's not like I'm waiting for my favourite particular thing to be announced or anything, like, I am slightly intrigued by the sort of sheer scale of it and how much they've committed to bringing you know each class to life with all its bespoke mechanics and things it's a a huge huge undertaking this game um yeah i just wonder if it's going to have that kind of breakout appeal so we shall see right yeah i went to go and get a drink of water actually and came back and looked at the cityscape and i was like oh fuck what's this game i didn't i had no idea what it was and mm. then i saw uh sven's head come up and i was like oh yeah there it is um so <laughs> i like that uh, it, the video had uh adam smith formerly of rps who really looks like max Payne three now right. he's got a big beard and a bald head it's, right. it's it, it, very striking similarity <laughs> and he was diving in slow motion and uh wearing a hawaiian shirt um yeah um yeah okay that's uh that's cool matthew i'm, I'm yeah pleased to hear I, maybe we should do something on this sort of genre when it comes when it comes out um something maybe about the history of the these um these types of rpgs going back to original boulder skate might be a, a light g- light the peel signal <laughs> yeah. the uh, lord of the ring style the kind of like peel torches <laughs> from here to sheffield you know what i mean like we like the one in bath and it reaches in by the end of the week yeah <laughs> while you play some amazing music 
there was a period I used to tell people that was my favourite scene in the trilogy because I found it genuinely moving yeah. when that music's playing. But I don't know if that's a, a wanky take or not. But. I think that plenty of people have enjoyed that scene over the over the years. Oh, and it's they're so not, good. They're not it's all just dads. a lot of fire lighting, but you're like, this is so cool. Yeah, it was good. It's also, I guess it's probably alluded to in the book, but it's not like there's, you know, the book can convey that. There's a very, like, a thing you can only do in a film, really, isn't it? Is that, that particular moment, that combination of mm. sound and images. So... Yeah, a great scene in a Lord of the Rings film. But back to the podcast, something on <laughs> something on CRPGs at some point. Sure, why not? Let's just pen that in. Jeremy, drop us a line. We'll give you eighty quid or whatever. It'll be fine. Um, cool. Okay. Next up, then, Matthew, my number four, Space Marine Two. So, I have been dancing around this a little bit in recent months because I did almost pick Space Marine for the uh, the Xbox 360 draft, which I won. But I won't rub it in your face, Matthew. We both had a great list. Shake hands, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I also uh, did mention this in my favourite 7 out of 10s uh, episode that we did on Patreon too. So I was a huge fan of this when it came out. It was a relic-made, proper action game made for consoles and PC that combined shooting and melee combat. And even though it was made with, you know, these are like the dying days of THQ-level budget, it was really, really good for what it was. It put enough of the 40k universe on screen to make it feel like you were there, make it feel exciting started with orcs and then um, dropped some uh, chaos lads in halfway through as well as a kind of like a, a twist sort of second race to deal with and you also had these um you had like the chainsword like an iconic uh, sort of uh, ultramarine weapon and yeah like mark strong voicing the main character it was just sort of spot on as a as a take on that universe it was something i felt like i always wanted to see and space marine finally did it and so that game you know all these years later has enough of a reputation to you know for saber interactive who are i think like they're now owned by embracer group there and they're like properly staffed up and making quite a lot of stuff they're they're making this quite big budget looking sequel where you are fighting um tyranids you play as the same um character from the first game uh, i don't remember his name is it titus something like that i think it is <laughs> um yeah he's not voiced by mark strong this time but you know i'm it sounded pretty good in the trailer um but has like it feels like a lot more money's gone into the environments and stuff it's got that going on and it has a three-player uh, co-op campaign which the original didn't have anything like that so the idea of sharing this with someone is quite exciting to me um this is the this is the kind of like the yeah, the kind of 40k game that really speaks to me so uh, quite excited about this um yeah this is a big um for people who uh, listen to the podcast like it's a big me and andrew game we talked about this game we talk about this game every time you meet each other basically we're <laughs> big fans of it uh, the original one so uh space marine 2 out later this year apparently and um, i imagine much like space marine the original it will have some kind of second faction who turn up halfway through for you to fight as a kind of like twist so that's um that's going to be good but yeah gory finishes yeah like really nice environments just looks like it scratches the uh the 40k h to me matthew any thoughts on this you're not really a warhammer guy not at all but listen i'll I'll absorb some of your enthusiasm by osmosis and keep an eye out for it okay great that's uh i feel reassured and comforted by that statement what's the number three <laughs> My number three is Clockwork Revolution. That's my number three too. Let's go, Bioshock Infinite two. <laughs> well, is it? Is is it? I don't know if it's going to have a Bioshock budget. <laughs> oh well, I don't know. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was a very, very convincing showing. And I don't know. Did you think it looked low budget? I didn't think it did. I, didn't I see, don't know. I, I thought scenes. it looked low budget. Just why not? Like maybe I, it's the, sort of the inexile of it. You know, like I, I really like their games, and but the games they've made have been, you know, like. The, the wasteland sequels 
really good games, but of a of a, you know of of a certain of a certain level. Now maybe they've like unlocked something, you know, some crazy budgets now that they're part of Xbox. Like definitely when they talked about it on the Xbox Wire blog, which side shout out to uh, our friend Screbs has some excellent write ups um, that went up after the show, um, courtesy of him and his team. Um, they talked about it there being their first sort of triple A effort. Uh, a first-person action RPG, but all that aside, and I don't want to get bogged down in that because the art design's really fucking cool, and that's all that counts. It's just the, uh, I I just really like the concept of like a. Sounds like it's sort of doing what. It's sort of doing for real what Bioshock Infinite did in a very scripted way, in that it's about sort of time travel and meddling with the past to change the future, except. In, in a much more open way in that you're going to be able to like move between to and from the past and the present and see the direct consequences of what you change in the past and you'll be doing like that is its central mechanic rather than a single story beat as it was an in infinite i think is, is my take yeah i think that's um that's fair like the the time sort of manipulation element was a really cool twist in that trailer and also the even though the presentation was superficially bioshocky they said it's like you know an rpg you create a character and that sort of stuff so i think it will have like a lot of the hallmarks but my other sort of thought of this is no one's really going to go back to this this kind of art style in a game i don't think like or to get to even approach the level of lavishness that bioshock infinite had so to even knock on the door of that to me is quite exciting because it's otherwise just left there, right? It's a bit of a people don't know how they feel about it kind of game and it seems like it's ripe for exploration to to push it a bit further or, or do something different. So I agree with you. The the Some of the ideas of Infinite but done in an, un, an unscripted way kind of cool and some kind of hinted at cause and effect, Matthew, which, um, which could end up yielding some uh, quite interesting experiences. So yeah, this was definitely up there for me. I thought it was Bioshock, but I wasn't even remotely bothered that it looked like Infinite. So I think uh, there was a there's a quite a lot of discussion about this online. How did you feel about those basic sort of similarities? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's being worked on by by people who worked on that Arcanum, which was a uh, kind of like isometric kind of steampunky world. So I imagine they'd say that they're pulling from like their own sort of steampunk interests that they they'd explored before Bioshock. I mean, whatever it does look like, it looks cool, and that's all I really care about. <laughs> yeah, um, an unexpected highlight. It was not this completely floored me because I really did think this was the new Bioshock for about twenty five seconds, and then and then it sort of to da- start to dawn on me because I was thinking, oh, maybe that maybe this is the ultimate zag for the new Bioshock Infinite. Is they just went back to Columbia? It seems so unlikely, but let's go. And then no, it was a completely different thing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, quite shocking, but cool. What's the number two, Matthew? Uh, my number two is actually Fable, which we talked about earlier. Um, I know there's a lot of debate about it. Well, no, it's not a debate. People saying, like, well, this doesn't really show us anything about it. Um, crucially, uh, I think it does show the tone and the direction they're going in the story, which for me is just a, a big relief that um, it's not exactly the direction I thought it was going in. Uh, there's been a lot of rumours that uh, it was going to go, like, earlier in the sort of fable timeline rather than being a kind of continuation of two and three which were kind of wrestling with the idea of like a fantasy world kind of becoming industrialized and what happens sort of post fairy tale so the pitch of like this is going to be more of a 
a sort of fairy tale world and kind of like how it deals with that and i wondered like is that going to be like a lot more kind of twee like magical and twee is it going to be more traditional fantasy there's a lot of kind of potential potholes for this series kind of going into that territory but um i actually think the the, the direction they've gone in of like you know this quite knowing you know I mean, it's a literal like jack and the beanstalk style kind of parody you know shows you know it's engaging directly with like literal fairy tale that's kind of interesting the kind of celeb casting of richard or day whether that's for the trailer or in the final game i don't know that's you know the right kind of tone the kind of person you would sort of expect to be in it yeah i don't know it just it just i just i i found it very charming very likable and it made me feel huge relief without really showing me anything about the game um though you do see her doing like a bit of sword fighting and showing a fireball which i think is kind of what they're aiming for that didn't look just look like a a cut scene for want of a better word yeah i sort of um i thought the the tone of it seemed sort of spot on it had a chicken being kicked you know as you expect from fable yeah it looked it looked like fable and i suppose that's like uh you know the most praise you can give it um richard ayoade sort of person you'd expect to see in a fable game as well right so yeah yeah i thought um yeah i just i think it's like it's not disappointment but just uh i guess like a kind of oh i just wish it was in my hands now kind of feeling with this one yeah yeah there's 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 definitely that but I don't know. I just it's it's the, it's the the RPG sort of series that I I I'm like most into. You know, after Xenoblade, of course. So to see it kind of like actually manifesting and actually happening is is kind of enough for me. I thought like even though it's hard to see like what is gameplay, is there any gameplay in this trailer? The actual like scale it was suggesting of that set piece, you know, of like being in the giant's house and it kind of like pulling you around and stuff looked very similar to the giant set piece in Ragnarok yeah do you remember that yeah yeah you're in the giant's kitchen isn't that isn't that part of the ox patting sequence in that game (laughs) yeah it's the good end to the ox patting sequence it's (laughs) like it's like thank you for putting up this bullshit for an hour and a half (laughs) it is actually like quite a rad um visually visual kind of boss fight yeah i like that's kind of interesting like i wonder if it's going to be a little bit more scripted a little bit more you know maybe it's going to be a little bit more got like god of war style action rpg rather than rpg RPG. you know fable's never been a game which has like lent fully into like anything really it's always been a quite light version of whatever it's tried to be so um yeah like quite shiny looking yeah yeah absolutely if that if it looks anything like that then that's you know and it's it seems reasonable that it might then uh, yeah. that's good. I'd love to like have a go on whatever this, whatever playable form this is. Like, I'd love to if it's like the Richard Ayoade tech demo. I'd love to just have a go on that. <laughs> basically, just give me twenty five minutes of it and see. Let me take some capture. I better have a great time. Every, everyone lining up to take a pop at Ayoade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, good, to, good to see. I think like I think it was about time that they just had to acknowledge Fable in some in some. It couldn't way. be another year. No, I don't think so. I would have worried then. <laughs> Yeah, because then you're looking at four years since they announced it, right? And fair enough, the first one, the first announcement was like, was much probably a recruitment ad as it was about, yeah. well, because there'd already been that rumor as well that they were making it, they just had to get it out there. But yeah, now it's about time. We're, we, I'm thinking it should probably come out in 2025, this, right? It shouldn't be more than two years away, really, at this point. So yeah, let's uh, let's wait and see. My number two, Matthew is metaphor refantasio that's my number one. Oh, really awesome then uh yeah that's uh good stuff so 
a new fantasy RPG, a completely new universe from the makers of Persona that asked the question, what if our world was their utopia? And then um, cut to this very stylish anime-infused fantasy universe that sort of looked, you know, it, it did it very much looked like all of the, you know, the basically the bigwigs of Persona making their version of what a high fantasy world looks like. That's essentially how, the, how best to describe it, including yeah. the you know the cool looking teenage character designs and rad looking menus and all this sort of stuff i suppose it was the fact the reason i picked this, put this so high and i'm sure it's the same for you matthew is a combination of there was actual gameplay in this it, like they went out and they showed here's what it looks like it was completely unexpected that this would be in the xbox conference because this was one of those mia people knew it existed games it was mentioned in that archipel yeah. documentary about the persona team where they followed them um, i think the artist uh or the, one of the main devs they followed around um for like a, a little while and they showed some illustrations for it to turn up in the xbox conference as they did was pretty incredible i thought and i just and then everything they showed was in game so yeah really impressive um is that how you felt about it matthew yeah but yeah basically it was the surprise of the thing the quality of the thing it's something i want to happen i like this team i like their vibe i thought for a second i was like is this the next shin megami tensei game because there's arguably some like that that game's a bit more flexible in terms of like it can be a bit more fantastical if it wants to like that game has stepped into like slightly more fantasy looking realms before but yeah this is just this this would have been like a great in the room reveal at a conference you know yeah because all the dweebs who are really into it go nuts it's got real pedigree behind it it did look great i've watched the trailer several times but i I can't really pass a lot of what's actually happening in it Mm. you know on a nuts and bolts level you know i couldn't really i think the combat system is going to be sort of a variation on sort of persona's combat system but uh yeah just that's i I really like the energy of this team they just make incredibly cool games just really really into into their vibe yeah this is good good thing and also i think it helped in a way that like their other two persona games leaked before the show yeah so almost to the point where you're like was that on purpose to make you think there's nothing like we've seen everything atlas have right i don't know I mean, that's a really... Because that's what I thought. I thought, oh, here's the two Atlas things. Yeah, tick, tick. And then this, you were like, oh, wait a second, what's this? So, it's speculating as a PR. <laughs> I wouldn't completely rule it out. Um, right. Because this this stuff leaked ages ago. Well, actually, like a few weeks ago, I should say, because of like a URL that was doing the rounds. So, there was right. a Persona 3. Is it Reloaded? I think it's called something like that. Persona 3, yeah. And then... Um, and then also the P5T was a thing going around, and people were like, "Oh, is that some kind of tactics game?" So that stuff did come out. I, I don't, I don't think they orchestrated the overall leak, but I did wonder if the Instagram leak was maybe on purpose because it's, you know, it's to get it wrong by two days seems very and unlikely. Also, like you accidentally leak two, but not the big one. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think the fuck up that allowed them to leak two things? And we're getting into conspiracy theories here. <laughs> I, I just, I was a, a, a tiny voice in the back of my head went, "Is this legit?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's um, that's an inter- that's interesting. It is a conspiracy theory, but I, I want to go along with it. I want it to be a narrative. <laughs> yeah. Like we threw them off, and they did not see this coming, and no one saw this coming, which is why it yeah. absolutely ascended as the real highlight. And I suppose it was that also that that excitement, Matthew, of the fact that there is so much persona being made now 
that the you know the fact that this was a once in every sort of like almost 10 years kind of franchise it's now you know even if you're not exactly getting persona 6 you're getting something that you know that its best minds the best minds of persona are making so that is basically the same to me at least you know so yeah exciting stuff um okay my number one then matthew is final fantasy 7 rebirth so really obvious here this was the last reveal at summer jeff fest it was a really great trailer basically the final fantasy 7 remake the whole thing with it it was set entirely within midgar so uh, even though the combat system was this really sophisticated mix of what i suppose like what what the original seven combat was combined with ff13 i would say in terms of the and then also being this kind of like real-time combat system too it was sort of like a, a i guess like a little bit of 15 a little bit of seven a little bit of 13 that's kind of what the combat system was but the overall world you were in was quite quite narrow you know this trailer mm. basically promises we built this world map for you like the the thing with ff7 in the original game is you leave midgar and you have this continent to explore and then when you get um you get transport to reach more con- continents and there's this whole world that opens up this is the world opening up sequel it feels like so you had lots of you know big sort of like verdant scenery and then recognizable locations like the dune and cannon so you can see little bits of the um you know the original game setting sort of popping up in there it's hard to get an idea from this um what what sort of like how much of the story or world they're going to try and fit in there but it feels like they're the building a big gigantic world to explore is the key thing here and and that's the difference between it maybe being on ps5 and not ps4 this time you know so really promising um you had a really Ooh. funny tweet matthew about watching this in the the office and then someone saying bogenhagen and you being like loads of people were like is that is that bogenhagen is that bogenhagen <laughs> and i was like what the fuck's a bogenhagen i thought that was a village yeah. sounds like a village <laughs> yeah so yeah <laughs> that i stuff. had to sheepishly ask my brother later when i was walking home i was like uh, alex what's a bogenhagen when it's at home <laughs> And he was like, oh, that's that little guy. He said, I thought, he said, it's a little guy who I didn't think had legs, was his take. <laughs> um, so whether or not that's true, I don't know. Oh, that sounds like a take you would have, I would say. That sounds fully plausible. So, um, yeah, Bugenhagen. <laughs> yeah, he was very much in there. He's in the mix. And, um, yeah, so it, it otherwise looks pretty similar. I think that's the, the good thing. It feels like they already have the combat system set so they can add more playable characters like Red 13 and probably a few more they haven't revealed yet, but also you know they could just go build content for this thing that they think they've already built the shell for essentially so i was very excited by it, matthew and i thought it was a strong showing and it seemed to get the internet excited there wasn't much cynicism for this one out there so uh, yeah. i am amazed they did this trailer before just before ff16's coming out yeah it made me wonder is there is there like some kind of thinking behind it i we want to try and get ff like the franchise front of mind and remind people that it's a huge deal still but then i don't know really it's it is quite unusual for that sort of thing to happen yeah i do agree with you yeah, yeah. i'm yeah i'm really interested actually seeing people re- react today to playing the ff16 demo hmm. how uh, how people are going to think this does stack up to final fantasy 7 remake because they're both kind of doing similar things in terms of being a bit more like action forward yeah um and whether people find one combat system more sophisticated over the other and you know whether there's a bit of a hedge in their bets going on by showing this now i don't know it's kind of, I, th- I find it very curious right these two rival well, i would say are they rival games or do they not see in that way Who i don't knows? see i don't see it that way i mean it's i I'm, it feels like they they're some of the only third party games that exist now where they have that sony first party level of budget behind them you know they're just 
yeah massive blockbusters so it's pretty amazing they can mount them at the same time they feel like they run in parallel so you're not waiting basically f- four or five years to get a new final fantasy game yeah basically, yeah you know? yeah they must be so confident in six like putting out that big demo like it's like a two-hour demo yeah it's uh it's uh, it also carries your save progress over right so they're probably just trying to, to get let people just play the first two hours of your game that's confidence in like you're gonna like this and what follows yeah yeah so So hopefully it's good it's uh it actually didn't occur to me until the last week or so where i was like oh yeah this really is like a third person action game that's what i'm going to be doing for 40 hours is is you know combat through a kind of like capcom lens essentially so um yeah and also it's kind of transpired today that uh platinum games has uh contributed to it in some form matthew you would expect the combat consulting on that a little bit maybe and uh Ooh. also the kingdom hearts team which i know you're very excited about yeah my, <laughs> my, my guy goofy making a cameo maybe i don't know but um it's like we came in and we basically took the coherent story and made it just total bullshit and you're like <laughs> well, thanks for that yeah we're like bullshit experts we're here to ruin your story <laughs> <laughs> that's good and that's why there'll never be a kingdom hearts episode of this podcast well that and all the other reasons so uh yeah okay that was my last Gorsh. one <laughs> Gorsh, i hope they got insurance yeah okay so i've got some quick um, honorable mentions here matthew do you have any too or i don't uh... have any honorable mentions i liked just those 10 <laughs> things fair enough you've been wet work all day and i've just been sat on my ass so it's uh completely fair are you off this week yeah yeah i'm off uh, yeah took the week off just tired and woke up feeling like robocop after the intro to that film i just my body is just completely white so i just need uh i was gonna say like what a fucking rad robot (laughs) no without the robot armor though just the like bits of uh, peter weller that are left at the end of his face and his hand yeah that's essentially all that's left after the last (laughs) few weeks so uh yeah um so honorable mentions yeah so alan wake like i say the um i think i slightly preferred the story trailer to the gameplay footage they showed so the um the story that preceded this at the uh ps5 event uh still wakes the deep curious about this matthew from the chinese room Um, yeah yeah north sea oil rig horror game and uh yep i uh definitely looking forward to that one sort of like i couldn't quite get a grasp of what it was completely from the trailer it's sort of like some a spooky something and then a cool setting but i was like well you know this studio's made games i like i'll totally play this it looked like there was there was more of an aggressive presence than like in rapture say yeah for sure and i'm um, curious to see what that presence is so I imagine mm. there'll be more about that game going around very soon so that aside um <laughs> i was kind of curious about uh eternites the action and dating game oh, that was it day of the day really? <laughs> Well, I definitely wasn't going to put it in the list, but I was a bit like quite interesting to have a game that looks sort of like a bit personary, but then is an action game, and then also well, has that's he... the thing. It just it looked like a load of Persona fans to try to make something that's like pers- I don't know. I don't want to get back. I, I don't want to get brazen. That I did think it. It was like it was. It was kind of novel. It sort of stood out. I think amongst that crowd. Um, but yeah, I couldn't put it in my top ten list for that very. This reaction. is not a horny podcast. Definitely not, especially not for like underage teenage characters. So uh, yes dungeons of hinterberg matthew do you think that would oh, be cool i almost picked that actually yeah that was in the xbox conference that's like a, a game from the studio microbirds i think but it's sort of um was again maybe probably most comparable to something like cocoon some kind of like actiony platformery yeah. puzzly thing you know with nice graphics looked a little bit like sable yeah there's a bit of that to it too for sure that sort of texture to it but the colors were, were mad and it seemed to be like changing kind of like form and sort of, there seem to be lots of different sort of genre things going on in it i i didn't include it just because on rewatch and, and trying to read about it i couldn't quite pass like what the game was 
yeah like 100 percent. just that it had good vibes yeah fable is definitely the sorry sable is definitely the um comparison point here yeah and uh yeah it has like some kind of like skateboarding element a lot of story as well and but see it looked looked quite big budget i thought i was it was deceptive i think um at first yeah. i thought it was maybe a much smaller thing than it was so yeah that's it though matthew those are my honorable mentions so um, uh did you yeah. i quite quite like that one about the person climbing a big weird mountain Oh yeah, was it like just something? Uh, I can't remember. Jacent. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we've emptied out our like our hype bucket. Um, that's it done now for another year. Back to some old I got, bullshit. I, tell you, I got basically. such a sheen on. <laughs> yeah, same man. I'm just like it's it's tough in here. It's uh it's not good. I'm excited to open my window almost immediately. Also, I just read an absolutely scathing one star review of our podcast on apple podcast that um oh, shit. that it, it, it pins it entirely on my laugh matthew it says <laughs> uh, i'm gonna read it out actually this is from steven 779988 incredibly annoying laugh ruins show which is a great headline for a review <laughs> i love pc zone growing up and on paper this should be the most incredible podcast however one of the hosts really annoying obnoxiously loud screech of a laugh makes it impossible to listen to <laughs> it's both irritating and deafening one star oh that's one that's... star <laughs> yeah i don't take i don't take it personally but i was there thinking okay fair enough i do have an annoying laugh right and maybe i need i need to have better audio engineering skills to phase out that laugh or maybe we can like ask chat gpt to phase out my laugh or something but i was there thinking one star is harsh i would take two stars off for the laugh i'd still at least give it three for the joyless piece of shit (laughs) overwhelming oh that's ridiculous yeah it's more like it's a laugh (laughs) someone told me i need to affect some kind of like jimmy carr style laugh that's less high pitched but um yeah i'm not sure that's on the cards to be honest i don't really know what to do about it i'm not i haven't got time to go to fucking like audio editing school or whatever like you some people like the laughs i drop the volume on your laughs yeah see maybe that's it maybe i just need to do more of that myself and you need to teach me how to do that more i don't know but um i don't know it's but i pretty... dropped the volume on my laughs too oh fair enough uh oh yeah i don't know it's just yeah i just uh so that was it then we're just gonna bookend the show uh... with a bit of negativity there so i hope you enjoyed oh, that that's... okay with that um yeah, that that hilarious note the podcast comes to an end matthew where can people find you on social media uh, at Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts, and Matthew still has time to catch the Capcom stream, so good for him. And uh, we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>